It is sometimes nice to know that you're not alone in this world. That possibly for different reasons, there are people who are with you. Sometimes for the same reason, sometimes for reasons you never thought of before. That you're not thinking alone, you're not alone in this world. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Be sure to subscribe and check out the page at Locals, TonyKatz.Locals.com. I have been discussing since the leak from uh, the Supreme Court showing a first draft from Justice Samuel Alito that it would be a 5-3 vote, at least right now, to overturn Roe v. Wade, not knowing where uh, Chief Justice John Roberts is on the subject, and certainly don't know if this is going to be the case when the court uh, makes its ruling uh, late June, early July. I have been saying since this leak, that first the leak is the story for me, but that I do not believe that this is the subject that's going to move the midterms. There are too many things in our lives that are too important. It isn't the subject, although there's definitely a group of people that is completely moved by abortion. Then I see the piece from, uh, that says Senator Joe Manchin, West Virginia Democrat, says inflation, not abortion, will fuel midterm elections. Then I see our friend Noah Rothman. Democrats want a referendum on abortion. Republicans shouldn't give them one. Noah Rothman joins us right now of Commentary Magazine. Commentary.org uh, is where you find his work. Uh, he is uh, the also the editor of Commentary, I should say, author of Unjust, Social Justice, and the Unmaking of America. He has a new book coming out this summer, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, but your point, the argument that you make is that, un- and, as, and this is me talking, I want to make sure I'm, I've got it right, there is no doubt that the left wants abortion to be the subject for the midterms because they feel that that's a great winner for them. And Republicans aren't very bright, and if they fall into that trap, it's going to hurt them. They don't have to fall into the trap. That's your argument. Yeah, um, for the most part. I think it actually uh, does them a disservice because it would be very bright to avoid having a fight over an issue that hasn't materialized yet. A lot of Republicans or Democrats, rather, were trying to make this bizarre case that because Republican lawmakers were focusing on the leak rather than the, the text of a draft opinion, again, a leak for the first time in the history of the Supreme Court, was somehow avoiding the subject of the overturning of Roe is absolute crazy talk. First of all, it's, it's madness to even pretend like talking about this leak for the few few days in which it's a relevant subject somehow eclipses the overturning of Roe v. Wade after 50 years is is bananas. It's the sort of thing you can only say on the Internet without people Baker acting you. Uh, and, but they still seem to believe that. And they desperately want to have this fight over the subject, over the, the substance of this decision. If it comes down, it will be had. There will be discussion around it. But like you said, the issue set that currently favors Republicans uh, is very broad, and it's um, the foremost on everybody's minds. It's the economy, it's inflation, it's crime, to a lesser degree, it's immigration, it's COVID mitigation regime policies. Uh, those things are primary motivating factors for voters today, and all of them favor the GOP. Uh, it would be quite foolish to give Democrats what they want, which is a national referendum on this issue. And the only way they could do that is if Republicans nationalize it, if they ignore the substance of this decision which remands the issue to the states and try to make it a federal issue for the federal legislature. 
That would be uh, that would disregard conservative legal doctrine, the kind of conservative legal do- doctrine that led to this decision in the first place, and it would give Democrats exactly what they want. They don't seem inclined to do that, but there will be a couple of Republicans who put their foots in their mouths in the effort to try to ingratiate themselves with uh, with you know pro-life constituencies or just demonstrate their own sensibilities and sentiments um, and try to nationalize this issue, and that would be a mistake. Right. So what I found interesting, and you have what I would only call a companion piece, although it's not, the GOP can still blow it. And I put those two things uh, together uh, because there is a conversation about do you want likes and clicks or do you want to gain control and move policy? Now, I I will tell you that I am one of the people who you think should be Baker acted, if only because (laughs) I am not shocked, although I, I had this conversation with producer Ari yesterday, and generationally, there's something massive in happening. It's not surprising to me, having doing this every day, engage in these conversations, that the the court could have overturned something, and that it's there's certainly been a desire from the political right to overturn Roe v. Wade. The recognition that Roe v. Wade, when it was uh, uh, implemented, if you will, uh, was on very shaky legal grounds. This has always been a conversation, so I found myself less surprised by that possibility and more disgusted by the idea of a leak and that no one seems to care that there's a full-on onslaught and bullying of the judicial branch uh, going on. It's interesting to hear you talk about the fact that this is indeed uh, ab- absolutely earthquake-ridden that you would see this this overturning as, as, as a, just a conversation of, of precedent and, and, and Supreme Court history. How do you see this? Sure. I mean, just briefly on the leak itself, like the notion here that you you can somehow avoid focusing on the leak and, or, or that talking about the leak somehow undermines the issue of the again, the overturning of this Supreme Court precedent that has been a controversial issue for 50 years is just madness. But the leak itself is absolutely a subject that deserves to be discussed because it is so egregious on in the best case scenario. It was done in order to influence the proceedings of this court by introducing an element of public opinion and litigating this issue in in the court of public opinion, which is precisely what this court is designed to be uh, completely deaf and blind to public sentiment. Um, That's the best case scenario. Worst, this was done by somebody within this institution with the intention of undermining this this institution, uh, sacrificing its credibility. Uh, in order to uh, lessen the impact of this of this decision somehow or change the course of events. Either way, it's an egregious assault on the civic compact. And to ignore it is to uh, is to demonstrate a lack of uh, a lack of understanding of the gravity of this event and perhaps a little bit more contempt for the civic compact than you want to let on. But when it comes to the actual overturn, again, it, it, it could it could not happen. Although once you hear that that Chief Justice John Roberts calls this authentic, I think it would be something to see one of those five who are are, are listed make a, a, a change. Certainly, you never know with Chief Justice John Roberts how he is going to maneuver here. Uh, but how do you rank this and label this if if you see an overturning? I mean, it is a momentous decision, and it will have a profound impact on our politics, for sure. I'm with you that I, I don't know. If, I, I think everybody thinks they know how abortion plays out in the court of public opinion, and I don't think anybody does. Uh, it's a very nuanced, complex issue where people are of many minds on the subject. There's very little ideological consistency on the part of voters who like Roe, but also want to see more restrictions than Roe offers. Um, and talking about abortion is sort of icky. 
Like the only people who really enjoy talking about abortion are people who are paid to do so. Otherwise, it's not a subject that people find enjoyable unless you're an absolute lunatic activist. On you know, I just completely consumed with this issue. This is the, this is what gets you out of bed in the morning. Uh, that's not representative of where the public is. The public does not enjoy talking about this issue. And if Democrats think they can mobilize their voters on the back of this issue that nobody really enjoys talking about, I think they're going to find a rude awakening for themselves uh, in the summertime. Talking to Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine, Commentary.org. You also see him uh, on NBC, MSNBC, and and doing commentary uh, uh, over there as as well. I am I am in agreement that the Republican Party will do themselves no good by making this their subject. Rather, allow Democrats to make this their subject. And as I have argued, that when they get into saying, like you already heard Chuck Schumer say, in less than 24 hours, we're going to bring this to the vote and we're going to put every senator on the record. Uh, the question of, okay, you want to create a law to legalize abortion, what's in the law? 15 weeks, full term? Are you going full Ralph Northam, former governor of Virginia, and talking about infanticide? Are you playing the New York law? They now have to have a fight, a fight that they don't want to have, and they're going to be having a fight for how late into a pregnancy or afterwards they want to have an abortion. It is a, a loser as I see it. But this leads to this other piece that you wrote about how the GOP can still blow it. This is my greatest fear, man. I often refer to the Republican Party as the party of stupid. If there is a group of people that can screw up what is clear victory, they can do it. So as you see it, what is the path to clear victory and what is it that they can screw up? Well, message discipline is the path to clear victory. And the message is very plain that uh, Democrats have uh, have had two will have had two years approximately by November of total control of Washington. And they've utterly blown it. They have blown it on the foreign policy front. They've humiliated the United States and Afghanistan. They have blown it on the economic front. We have worse inflation than we've had in four, since 1981 in 40 years. Um, they've blown it on the social policy front because every single, everywhere you turn, every corner you take something that you once enjoyed is being adulterated or taken away from you. Some convenience that you had is now gone. Life is much more expensive and more complicated as a result of progressive idiosyncrasies that provide no tangible benefit. That is a good message. Everything else is noise. And when you get into the noise, in order to ingratiate yourself with a very plugged-in activist core that eats, breathes, and sleeps politics on social media, and the most, the most activists, the most fringe Uh, Then you start talking yourselves into conspiracy theories and you can blow winnable races, which is exactly what happened to Robert R.J. Reagan, uh, a candidate for Michigan's House District in uh, the Michigan 74th House District, who is running in a district to replace a Republican who had won by 26 points. It's a district Donald Trump won by 16 points, demonstrating that there are still some Republicans who who split their ticket votes Um, and he lost it and he lost it by a lot. He lost it by at least 12 points, with 8% of voters opting for a write-in protest vote just to get away from the guy, because he was uh, absolutely toxic. He beat out a lot of Republicans, uh, more conventional Republicans, by going full nut job. The 2020 election was stolen. we got to give it back to Joe Biden. Russia's unprovoked war of territorial aggression is kind of justified, and I'm not going to support any resolution because this, this is a corrupt country. Don't you remember Hunter Biden? And, you know, he started talking about rape and he started dabbling in anti-Semitism and the sort of stuff that you hear on the fringe online right. And he lost a winnable race. And there are a lot of candidates 
for open seats in uh, statewide races, for example, and national races in um, or, or, or congressional races who have dabbled in the conspiracy theory realm. Uh, uh, Ohio's J.D. Vance, who just won his primary, has talked about explicitly that allowing fentanyl into the country is a plan to, quote, kill a bunch of MAGA voters, that Joe Biden has engineered the crisis on the border uh, in order to, quote, punish the people who didn't vote for him. He's talked with extreme callousness about uh, the situation in Ukraine, even though most Americans and indeed most Republicans support efforts to provide for Ukraine's national defense. And, you know, he's not the only one. You're talking about places, uh, Masters in Arizona and, you know, others. And Ron Johnson was just on uh, on some fringe radio show talking about uh, COVID and vaccines and how this guy was talking about how COVID caused AIDS. And he he tried to let him down gentle. But even keeping that company tarred him, tarnished him by being associated with somebody that 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 was that nutty. Um, This is the sort of thing that gives Democrats a lot of ammunition that they will use to their benefit. And it's just mistakes they're just stepping on landmines because they're tripping through a minefield so let me casually let me let me jump in let me jump in i got i got a couple of minutes uh i was on uh news nation last night and and uh or actually i take the back i was on newsmax uh last night and there was a conversation about um uh, Trump endorsements and how Trump had 22 endorsements and we had primaries in Ohio and Indiana, my beloved Indiana, and all of them came true. And what I said was, was that may be true in Ohio regarding J.D. Vance and some others, but I can tell you that in the state of Indiana, nobody was talking about Trump endorsements. I'm not saying anybody opposed a Trump endorsement. I'm making the argument that literally no one was saying, well, they're endorsed by Trump, and that's why I'm going there. That's not, that didn't happen. I don't, I don't even have that anecdotally, never mind as a position uh, politically. I don't think there's anything wrong with the Trump endorsement, mind you. But you didn't bring that up in this conversation. So you, of all people, making a clear distinction that there's a difference between that and a difference between uh, other things that you're seeing, which is uh, people will mainstream Trump. They won't mainstream some of these other things that you see as real distractions. Well, I think Trump's endorsement mattered a lot in Ohio. I mean, this is we're talking about a very crowded field, a weak field, all of them bunched up together in polls. Um, it was a real deciding factor just to help him help Vance break out of this really crowded pack. But nobody thinks Greg Pence won his primary because Donald Trump was backing him. Correct. I mean, there have the, on that list of 22 people, I read that political piece on those list of 22 office holders, and a lot of them were incumbents who are going to win no matter what. That is, I just, I just, it was, I was almost thrilled, right? When, when the, the election happened in, in 2016, you and I had many a, a wonderful argument about uh, 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 Trump and, and, and the conversation of where Americans were at. What I found interesting in, in, in your summation, because I don't disagree with you about running to these things that have no value and some things that exist, and you can find them on the left as well, that get into some really awful, bigoted uh, kind of things. That was not it. And that you did not bring that up. You, and I say, I say this respectfully, it, 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 there, there is levels of things that America will accept and things that America will not accept. And what I think the left tries to do very often in this election is try and tie you to Trump, and that's somehow unacceptable. But that's not – my point is that's not the case at all. Well, um, contrary to the, a popular belief among my detractors, I do not think that the universe revolves around Donald Trump. And when he's relevant, I say so. And when he is not, I'm perfectly happy to ignore him. Um, and not not impose him on conditions that he doesn't influence because he you know dominates my thinking. Um, and he does to a certain degree in a lot of people on both sides of the issue. 
Um, but he's, you know, where his relevance is, is merited. He certainly deserves credit. Credit. He was very relevant in Ohio. And I don't, as you, as you know better than I do, I don't think there was a lot of relevance when it comes to the few contested primaries that we had in, uh, in Indiana. And that, Noah Rothman, is why I love you, baby. Noah Rothman, Noah C. Rothman on the Twitter box, commentary.org. Go check it out. Get yourself a subscription. When the new book drops, uh, we're going to be talking about Noah Rothman. Thank you. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.